10 in the morning, and we're here. Uh, that's where, I mean, that's where we should be. Yeah. We're where, here. Where else would you be? Uh, it's show number 1,499. 1,499. What are you planning for 1,500? Really nothing. But it sounds really important, doesn't it? Sure does. 1,500 like should, shows. I feel like we should get a hats or T-shirts or something again. Maybe hats this time? Hats that say 1,500? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we got the T-shirts the last time. That's a good idea. I wore mine the other day. That's a good idea. Working out and sweating. Would have been a great idea if we had done it last week. <laughs> uh, show number 1,500 will be tomorrow. Today we have a special show. Today will be the day that the President of the United States will take one step closer to impeachment. Today at 7.45 our time... Adam Schiff and uh, Mr. Nadler, the committee chairs who have heard the impeachments and and chaired the hearings, heard the impeachment discussions and chaired the hearings, um, they will hold a joint press conference, which they're expected to announce two articles of impeachment. Steve, what are they? Uh, One of them would be abuse of power and the other would be obstruction of Congress. Abuse of power related to the Ukraine uh, situation, obstruction obstruction of Congress not showing up for subpoenas and things. And telling uh, other members of the administration not to show up for subpoenas as well. Any chance there'll be more than that? Um, uh, You know, I was seeing some uh, reporting yesterday that perhaps there might be, uh, but uh, all of this news this morning, uh, and we're looking at uh, input from ABC News and from Associated Press, only say the two issues will be there. Perhaps there'll be more more articles uh, in terms of obstruction, um, but the general overall uh, topics will be this abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. So the two articles would then go to a full vote in the House. You see, you need a simple majority in the House, but then you need two-thirds of the Senate to remove the president from office, and no one believes that can be done. When would the vote in the House take place? I mean, as soon as today, tomorrow? Um, they say they want to have it done uh, as, this week. And I saw Jerry Nadler on TV over the weekend saying they want to have their part of it wrapped up by the end of the week. Uh, whether that's possible or not, I don't know. They're getting ready for their Christmas recess. Well, thank goodness. They yeah. don't have enough time right, away from Washington. Uh, all right. So, obviously, uh, when ABC breaks for that, we should cover it live. And uh, we'll take that at 745. Um, I have not seen that instruction yet from the bosses, but uh, we will... Well, consider we, that an instruction. Okay. We will definitely yeah. um, uh, watch it and have as much of it as we can. I mean, it broke late last night, and uh, as far as I know, they're knee-deep in Mai Tais. Um, how was your day off? It was, it was very nice. Thank you. I had a good, good. good weekend. Courtney Guzman from uh, Channel 9. We'll see what she's uh, covering in just a second uh, and uh, talk with her. In addition to that, coming up on the show, we got another great kid of the week today. Throughout the holiday season, Dave, as you know, um, I don't send Christmas cards anymore. You, so, since when? Well, it's been years. Right. I don't text Christmas messages because I think that's, you know, at times Ooh. impersonal. Mm-hmm. I call my friends and wish them a Merry Christmas. All of your friends? That's a eh, lot. How many shows do we have left before we break? <laughs> Today will be the first one we're going to call Paul Coit. Oh, good. Oh, our, good. Our British leader. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll call Paul and say Merry Christmas, and we'll hang up on him. I think it's a very personal way of doing it, as opposed to the cards. Sometimes they're impersonal. I still like my cards. When you hang up on somebody, there's that nice effect of the click. It's like a handwritten note, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, it's like a card. (laughs) Uh, You think I'm just killing time on the show. No, this is important stuff. Uh, Scheduled to appear on Steve Calls His Friends, um, uh, Mark Sapelsa. Used to be the anchor at Channel 9. Isn't he still living in the woods somewhere? Like he is. 
He's wandering the woods of Montana as we speak. Uh, he's now he, he's now part of a pack of wolves, and we'll pull him away just long enough so he can talk to us as well in the coming days. He's elk hunting today, so is he? Yeah, uh, yeah that's what he told me. I didn't know that. Cordy Guzman joins us from Channel Nine. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning to you guys. How are you doing today? We're fine. It's cold. It's winter, and I don't like it, Cordy. And I want you to stop it. Hey, you know what? At least you're in the studio. I'm out here standing in the cold. I'm out That's here with you this morning. That's a good point. I should really <laughs> got you there. I should really back down. You're a thousand percent right. All right. So look, here's the, here's the deal. You have to cover tough stories all the time, but today is uh, is another difficult one. A story of a retired priest drunk behind the wheel. What do we know? Oh, man, it's a tough story for this church in Orland Park. We're talking about St. Michael's Church. So retired priest, his name is Paul Barak. He's 73 years old at Payless Park. He attended this Christmas party last Wednesday night, um, and he was on his way home. Apparently he had had a couple drinks that night at this Christmas party, and he ended up running over two teachers, a part of his parish. Now, what is so crazy and ironic is all three of them, were at the same Christmas party that same evening together. And to top it all off, that former priest, uh, Paul Barak, was actually the priest over St. Michael's Parish where these two teachers taught. So there is tragedy all over the place when we talk about this story. So we know that one of the teachers, Margaret Elijah, she's 61 years old. She was a technology teacher there at St. Michael's. She ended up dying as a result of her injuries. And then we have the second teacher, Elizabeth Kostek. She did survive her injuries. So today there are funeral services for Elijah, um, who also is known as Rome there at St. Michael's. Um, That will be today at 1215 and 1215 Mass at St. Michael's Church in Orland Park. But also happening today is this retired priest. He's going to be in in court today for the second time. So he he bonded out on Saturday. He was charged Saturday. Uh, He was charged with aggravated DUI as well as leaving the scene of a deadly accident. He bonded out um, for $10,000. You know, that was his bond that was set. And so he's at home right now, but he is expected to return back to court today, appear before a judge here in Bridgeview. So just so many emotions today with him being in court and then funeral services for this teacher who who was hit. And, um, you know, what's interesting also is we're talking about this uh, retired priest. He has been diagnosed with Parkinson's and glaucoma. He admitted to investigators that he takes medication. He also admitted to drinking that night. He said he had a Manhattan and a glass of wine. And so Obviously, that was enough to to make sure that he should not have been behind the wheel. Right. And it ended up being that someone actually had to drive him home that night after the accident. Another priest stepped in to take him home because they saw he hit another car trying to make a three-point turn, trying to get out of there. So it's just such a, tra- a tragic story, and I'm sure we'll learn more as this story unfolds and, and plays out in court. And no priors of any kind for this priest, as far as we know? No, no record. In fact, um, he served St. Michael's Parish for about nine years. And so he's been retired for a couple of years at this point. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, this, this happened. So, you know, I, I saw an editorial recently, I think it was in the uh, Tribune, about um, 
you know, this is time of year. Everybody's celebrating the holiday season, yep. and we all have to just be responsible when we go out and celebrate, especially with alcohol. Before you get behind the wheel, you know, there are things, there are services. Now, you don't have to get behind the wheel if you've been driving. There's Uber, there's Lyft, there's Friends. You know, you can walk, take public transportation. There's really no reason for this, but... um this is what we're dealing with this morning, unfortunately. All right, all morning and throughout the day on Channel 9. Thank you, Courtney. All right, thanks so much, Steve. Courtney Guzman from uh, Channel 9. It is uh, 523. There's an, a, 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 really a, a, an amazing story out of New Zealand where this volcano uh, went up and uh, an American couple had been missing. They have been found. Matt and Lauren Yuri, newlyweds on their honeymoon from Virginia, were both airlifted to different hospitals. They were severely burned you would assume by what lava, um, uh, gas, hash, steam. Oh, the Washington Post reported Lauren uh, is the is the wife. Obviously, Lauren uh, Ure's mother, Barbara, uh, said she hadn't heard from her daughter or son-in-law since a voicemail had been left by her son-in-law, indicated that they were alive, but they had been severely injured. Um, Matt was taken to a hospital in Christchurch. He had severe burns, and he had to be at a burn specialist, burns covering about 80% of his body. Uh, Lauren, his wife, had burns covering 20% of her body. Um, Mrs. Barham said that Matt's mother told her about a voicemail he left saying there had been a volcano eruption, and they were burned very bad. He said he would try to call, but talking and making phone calls was difficult. His hands were so badly burned, it was hard for him to make a call. Um, Barham had heard from the newlyweds earlier in the day before their excursion from Ovation of the Seas cruise ship. Uh, that cruise ship, I believe, is owned by one of the... It's one of the bigger cruise lines. I don't see it here in the piece. Anyway, uh, Barham said she's livid after learning that there had been warnings. There should never have been an excursion to this island. She said, my son-in-law never would have booked the excursion if he knew there was any chance of being injured. The Uries were among 47 people on the island, on White Island, when the eruption hit. 38 of those people were on the ovation of the sea's cruise ship. 37 passengers, one crew member. While the other 10 were locals, guides, and overseas tourists on their own. Uh, and so far, the death count is still five, Steve? Yeah, that's uh, that's right. I saw some tweets yesterday on social media from people who were on the rim of the crater of this volcano 30 minutes before right. this explosion happened. And um, that's just, you know, where if there were warnings and stuff in place, that should have never happened. Yeah, and, and uh, there were several tour companies, or are several tour companies, um, that operate tours there. And that's one of their hooks. It's the only volcano where you can get inside the rim and walk around. And it had been spewing uh, mud and rock in small detail recently. And those who cover volcanoes and those who know what volcanoes might do had upgraded its status to something that was much more dangerous than it had been in the past. So a lot of looking backwards now. You can't change what has happened. But you hope for the best for uh, those uh, young people. You're the Yuri's. Uh, and I tell you, the burns are awful. And there's a little bit of looking forward here you can do as well. If you're on one of these international trips, just know that some of these countries, they don't necessarily have the same rules and regulations, and they're Great not point. as uh, uh, as forethinking as this. I don't know if that's a word or not. They're, they they don't uh, take a lot of these things into consideration. You have to do that yourself. That's a great point. Do your research. When you figure out where you want to go, do your research. And if you take a last-minute uh, excursion, uh, you know that's what the Internet's for in part uh, do as much as you can even while on the ship 
All right, it's 527. We'll come back and continue on the Steve Cochran Show. Hey, Joe, Super Joe, grab the mic. Happy 1499. You excited? So excited. Good call. A couple of uh, announcements to my staff on the show here. Dave, we'll do a live show meeting right now. Sure. Okay, there's no day that works for a staff Christmas lunch (laughs) between now and New Year's Eve. Zero. No days. Because Dave is very busy. Dave is very busy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're going to do it in January. As much as I hate the, oh, January holiday party, holidays are over, we're doing it in January. It's the only time everybody can get together. It's a New Year's party. Yeah, it's it's okay. All right. A pre-Valentine's party. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have it without me like you did last year. Go ahead. No, it's too late. No, Dave. Too we, late! We're still hearing about that. Decision's been made! Uh, also, Mary and everybody, um, I've uh, stopped trying to be creative and buying you guys gifts for the holidays. Um, I've run out of ideas. You did a great job. Though. So, I had a nice run. But you're all going to get... Christmas gifts, but you're all going to get the same thing. <laughs> what, what about, are we doing our Secret Santa like we normally do? Announcement number three. Here's oh. what I think we should do. Okay. $10 limit. 10 But you've got to go to the dollar store. Oh, that's awesome. 10 bucks, but you've got to go to the dollar store. Okay? Okay. Can so you go to Dollar General? You can go to any dollar store you want. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, So what do we need to do, Mary? Viv needs to draw names? Uh, yeah, okay. I was going to do it, but you were gone last week, and yeah. you know, just we got to do it today. Happen. And finally, we have a problem with Vivian. She is insisting that Joe call her Lady Vivian. What uh, again? Yeah, she. And do we have to curtsy and bow for her? She <laughs> claims she has attained the title of Lady. I'm going to talk to Paul Coit about that this morning and find out if she in fact is a lady. Oh. I mean, she's a girl. Yeah, she's a lady, but she's a lady. So. Is there some sort of Greek uh, royalty that we we don't know of? Perhaps Maybe this, she, this is she claims she's UK royalty. Hmm. I think really? she might, yeah, I think she might have bumped her head in the office. <laughs> <laughs> the legend is always available to give us the agribusiness update. Let's do that right now. Good morning and greetings from Washington D.C., where in about three or four hours I'll be conducting my annual year-end interview with Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue. We've been doing this for 45 years to take a look back at the year just ended, take a look ahead at what's in store for agriculture, and we'll also get the commentary on what Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue is important to American farmers. Meanwhile, back in Chicago, the Illinois Farm Bureau delegates yesterday re-elected Richard Debert Jr. as president and vice president Brian Duncan at the annual meeting. Richard Debert Jr. of Ellis Grove in Randolph County was elected to a two-year term as president. He has served as the Illinois Farm Bureau president for the past six years. Brian Duncan of Polo in Ogle County was elected to a two-year term as Illinois Farm Bureau Vice President. He has served as Farm Bureau Vice President for the past two years. And uh, the story on weather, when we flew out yesterday from Chicago to Washington, D.C., solid cloud cover all the way, and it's raining on the East Coast, raining in Washington, D.C., but this town is busy because of the holiday season and because of 
what's happening or not happening on Capitol Hill as the hearings continue on the impeachment. That's the big topic. As we went to dinner here in Washington, D.C. last night, that's what people were talking about at surrounding tables. So we'll be back in Chicago tomorrow morning in time for the broadcast. We hope you'll join us for that. That's Ag Biz for today, and I'm Orion Samuelson. Thank you, Big O. Enjoy D.C. I don't know if you know this, Dave, 86 years old, and he's flying to D.C. Yeah. Interviewing yeah. the Secretary of You know what they'd say about 86? 86 is the new 26. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with Big O. Among other things going on, Illinois started to take applications today for new marijuana stores. Here's the text question today. If you had your own pot store, what would you name it? 312-981-7200. And by the way, I would name it Pringle City. Because I would sell Pringles at the uh, counter along with the weed. That's it. Are you allowed to do that? Well, I'd have to talk to the Pringles people. Well, well no, you'd also probably. I, can they sell food in these um, dispensaries? Are Pringles food? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, stand by for a market outlook from uh, Steve Grzanich. Before we get to that, I have a couple other ideas for uh, the name of the pot store if I had one. How about Weed World? No? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's good. good. Just pot? Just pot. <laughs> or if you need the other stuff, pot, pipes, and paranoia. Okay. Uh, seriously, what happened there? Yeah. yeah okay. Or, or paraphernalia. Too long to put mm. on a sign. Yeah, we only had room for paranoia. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at Pringle City is still... Uh, I that think, is yeah, pretty good. That's, yeah, that's it. So, uh, Hey, Steve. Yeah. How's the market outlook? Um, the market outlook, uh, we're, you know, first of all, we're looking at a lot of weakness now, and these losses are building on Wall Street this morning in the pre-market, with Dow Futures pointing to a 130-point gain or loss uh, when the market opens up officially later on. Um, but in terms of what's happening uh, elsewhere on the greater uh, economic front today, uh, a couple of things uh, that we'll be watching. Uh, final productivity figures for the third quarter are due today. Analysts are forecasting a three-tenths of a percent decline after a two-and-a-half percent rise in the second quarter. We'll get those numbers at about 7.30 this morning. Uh, some numbers uh, from uh, China on inflation expected to hit today as well. And then all of this comes ahead of the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve uh, market decision on interest rates coming tomorrow. The uh, two-day meeting of that is underway uh, today. We don't expect an interest rate uh, cut or rate hike, by the way, at the end of all of that. So just a few things that could move the markets today on this Tuesday, December the 10th. And a good chunk of this hour is sponsored by who again? Associated Bank. Thank you. Uh, Mental Floss, great website if you have uh, the ability to waste a lot of time. You ever go on Mental Floss, you guys? Mental Mm -hmm. Floss? Yeah, mentalfloss.com. Top 10 most annoying Christmas songs. Because here's what happens. Like, you know, the light starts playing Christmas songs in July. And, uh, you know, you you can get burned out on the great ones. Like, you know, the best Christmas songs are what? Like Nat King Cole. I could hear that all day. Um, I still like Bing Crosby, White Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. A good, tremendous song. That one. Yeah. Um, hey, Elf, That's My Car. Remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That didn't get a lot of play. I don't know. That was a Dean Martin song, wasn't it? I think it might have been. Oh, uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is Coming mm-hmm. to Town. So there's, I mean, there's many great songs, but there are some annoying ones as well. Anyway, here's their list from Mental Floss. All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. It's cute, though. Is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Chipmunk song, Christmas Don't Be Late. Oh, I oh, love that boy. song. 
it's you know here's the deal it's the kind of thing at christmas you hear it once and you go okay i'm done i don't need to hear it again but it takes you back once a year okay wiggly wiggly christmas by the wiggles i don't know i don't know that one. that's no, got to be either. for younger parents who have had to put up with listening to it over and over again um i don't agree with this one at all band-aid do they know it's christmas I like that song. So do I. I, I do really too. do. That was Bob Geldof, determined to funnel money uh, through a charitable cause, enlisted Bono, Boy George, George, Michael, Phil Collins, Sting. It led to a supergroup uh, set up here with Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson doing We Are the World and raised a whole bunch of money. So I disagree with that completely. I think they do sing Feed the World too many times, though, at the end. They, could, think cut, that's it? they could cut off a few of those. You probably don't like Hey Jude either, do you? <laughs> na 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 na. Yes, oh, it's like Felice Navidad over and over and over and over. Uh, there's a Swedish song that made the list. It's Sean Bannon, and it's called Gut Nit Yul. In the seven second mark, there's supposedly a sound of breaking wind, and you don't have to speak Swedish to understand that. Oh, man. This one might be number one. Uh, remember William Hug, Hung, I should say, from American Idol? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Oh. and he did a Christmas album called Hung for the Holidays. A whole album of that guy? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I don't know this song. Uh, Gala Peavy, a little girl, I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. I've heard that. I want yeah. a hippopotamus for Christmas. Wait a minute, sing the whole thing, man. No. Like that? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good, man. That's Mary. how she sings it, Yeah. yeah. Um, two more. One, I don't agree with this either. Uh, Shake Up Christmas by Train. It's a fine Christmas song. I love Train. Can't make fun of Train. You know what didn't make the list? Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Wouldn't you think that'd be on the list? Yeah, because surprised. that's a classic. Yeah. These are more of like annoying novelty songs. It was Bob Collins' favorite song, wasn't it? I'm, anno- I'm annoyed by Grandma got run over by a reindeer. I'm trying to protect grandmas all over the place. I'm trying to protect you, Mary. I don't want you yeah, run over by a reindeer. I just realized I'm a grandma now. That's, That's exactly right. <laughs> and another one I don't know. Dominic the Donkey. Oh, yeah. By Lou Monty. Let me see if I can play it. Uh, some of this for you. Stand by. I'm sure this will work out just perfectly because I'm good at this. Um, that sounds like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's Donkey the song. Yeah, there we go. Oh, this. Oh, it starts hey, jingity jing. It's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. Never heard. You've never heard this? Never heard. La, 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 la. Joe, this was your favorite song. Oh, it's catchy. Santa's got a little friend. His name is Dominic. The cutest little donkey. You never see him kick. When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be. Because the reindeer cannot climb the hills of Italy. Hey, jingity jing. It's Dominic. So, Joe, do they make you sing this before you can eat Christmas dinner at your house? No, this was not part of our uh, Christmas uh, tradition. Dominic the Italian donkey. I've not. Have you ever heard it? Oh, yeah, I sure have heard it. But it's, it's Am I the only one that didn't know the song existed? Apparently. I've yes. heard it, but not a lot. All right, there you go. That's the list of, uh, for mental philosophy, feel, most annoying songs. I feel like this is a, what could be one of those claymation cartoons. Why don't we have the Dominic Donkey uh, Christmas special? And sell the Dominic Donkey toy. Right. 
I mean, come on. Do we have to think of everything? Mark this yet? I want. With the uh, the song about the Christmas shoes, is that not oh. on there? Oh, that's on the list. I missed that. Oh, yeah. yeah, about yeah. Depressing. You talk about Christmas shoes is a song about a little boy who wants to buy a pair of new shoes. He wants Santa to bring a pair of new shoes to his sick mom, so she'll look beautiful if she meets Jesus tonight. Yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> I, uh, Jesus have a foot fetish? I, I don't. I don't know what that's about. It's uh, 5.56. The last thing I'll tell you in this ridiculous portion of the show is this. Uh, Vanna White is now hosting Wheel of Fortune until Pat comes back. OMG, I saw it last night. Yeah. Oh, boy. A little rough. A little rough. Yeah. Yeah. I tried. And Minnie Mouse was turning the letters. Uh I saw a tweet yesterday from Pat Sajak saying he was back in the studio uh, starting to tape new shows. Thank goodness. How about Pat? How about you let her have her moment for crying out loud? But I think there's like a whole month of stuff with her. Yeah. So. She's been flipping vowels and letters for you for years. Pat, back it down. You want a little scandal news? We'll do the top six and six in a few minutes here. But a little scandal news? Sure. Steve, you love scandal news too, don't you? Love scandal news. Mary, scandal news? Oh, sure. Key advisor to Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Did you just do this story, by the way? I did not, no. Um, has uh, been asked to step down or has stepped down voluntarily. As first reported by the Chicago Tribune, Lisa Schneider, it's F-A-B-E-S. What do you think? Fabes? Fabes? One or the other. Was hired by the World Business Chicago people. It's a public-private nonprofit that gets a little bit of tax money plus some private funding. And the whole point of their business is to promote economic development in Chicago as a global city, which is a big deal. More business is coming here. We have no word on whether or not she did a good job or not. The reason she's stepping down is because she lives in Wilmette. And I have, uh, I have mixed feelings about the residency requirement. I think if you have quality people that really want to work and they're the best people for the job, they ought to be able to live where they want to live. Yeah, if they're willing to make the commute, right. what's the difference? Yeah, we just need the qualified people. Because the yeah. teachers are under this as well. The flip side of this, though, and this is probably why you have mixed feelings about it, is if suddenly we start allowing all of these city employees to live outside of the city, well, that's going to negatively impact the city at some point, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, there's taxes, considerations, and I, the philosophical argument, I'm sure, is how can you teach in Chicago if you don't understand Chicago by living in Chicago? Um, but I know of a great principal at an elementary school who uh, lost his job because he didn't live in the city. Those type of things. So, uh, is that enough scandal news? Or you want some more scandal news? The more. scandally, the better, more. too. Hmm. More scandal. More scandal. I might be scandal short here. Um, oh, this is pretty good. Uh, yesterday, the uh, IG's report came out about uh, the FBI and how the FBI handled the initial stages of uh, the Mueller investigation. Not surprisingly, uh, those who support Donald Trump say that it's a complete vindication and the FBI is crooked. Crooked, I tell you. Uh, meanwhile, the report itself says that uh, the FBI had every right to do the investigation uh, from the get-go, but made several mistakes uh, intentionally or voluntarily during the investigation. So there was no uh, made-up premise to get things started. The investigation should have gone on for the sanctity and safety of America, but the FBI made, uh, I believe it was 17 total mistakes that are cited by the IG. The Attorney General says he doesn't like the IG's report and he's doing his own investigation. Here's the scandal. Christopher Steele, the guy who did the dossier, may have had a fling with Ivanka Trump. <gasps> what? What? Scandal. scandal. Wow, that is scandaly. Yeah, the British super spy, Christopher Steele, 
uh, described himself as a close friend of Ivanka Trump to some sources. But others have said they had a fling. Ivanka Trump and the man who wrote this scandalous report about scandal plague Donald Trump. See how you can tell by the change in my tone of my voice how dramatic this story is. <laughs> Wait, here's show 1500. You know, the uh, one of the other highlights of this uh, IG report yesterday that I think deserves a little bit more attention, you know how we always heard uh, the, of the uh, anti-Trump text messages among FBI yep. agents? Yep. This report highlighted a number of pro-Trump text messages between FBI agents that we've never heard about until now. How about that? Yeah. So, the, so in other words, uh, they're all human beings. Right. Okay. So they go both, they're on both sides of the scale. So, uh, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say they go both ways, um, but uh, that's none of our business. It's 614. Let's come back after Steve does some weather. we get some other information here, and we'll get the top six at six after the break. Now for some more news. Ready? Welcome to the top six at six. What? On the Steve Cochran Show. That is great radio. This is your first look at what people, animals, and assorted fruits and vegetables <laughs> will be talking about today. <laughs> Item number one. Don't be fooled by yesterday's warmer weather because it's going to be cold all week. Why is that an item on the top six? Because I'm bitter about it. That's it. That's it. Next. Democrats are expected to unveil two articles of impeachment impeachment against uh, President Trump today. Uh, is that still 745, Steve, our time? Is that what we're thinking? Um, I I have not seen that time yet. I'm still looking for that. I know you've seen that, but I have not seen that official time yet. All right, we believe it to be 745. And uh, when it's when it, when it's, it happens, when Nadler and uh, Schiff uh, come out for the joint press conference, obviously we'll take it live. Next! Quack. Anybody still use Redbox? A lot uh, of no. people do. If you go to the Jewel, like Steve Grzanich and I were talking about this this morning, people are in line, they're getting movies still. I yeah, I see people of... using it, but yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't. My, my son uses it once in a while. Netflix killed Blockbuster. Before there was a fully functional, gigantic Netflix, Redbox filled the void. Redbox helped kill Blockbuster. And Redbox was a big, big deal. And now they're struggling. The kiosks are no longer going to do video games by the end of the year. Which is bad news for Mary, because she loves playing Donkey Kong. You know, she's a classic <laughs> right. video gamer. Right. You know, it, Dominic the Donkey Kong. Illinois is playing in the Red Box Bowl. Oh, oh is that what it's called? December, yeah. Oh. Well, that's why they're out of money. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> it's in um, California, though, right? Yeah. Nice. Next. The Jesse White Tumblers turn 60 this month and celebrate 60 years at a gala. Thursday evening at the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 399. I talked to Jesse White about this, one of his 900 visits to the show. And uh, he said, do the math. And we weren't talking about 60, because this is a couple of years ago. But do the math. 60 years of tumblers, Dave. If one of the tumblers back then was 10, they're now 70. 70. Yeah. How about that? I wonder if they have, like, alumni days they do, actually. They get everybody yeah, together. That's cool. Yeah, 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 that's great. And Jesse White um, uh, still could kill me with his bare hands. <laughs> he could, yes. yes. Uh, so congratulations and a happy anniversary to them. Next. <laughs> Cook County State's Attorney, uh, Steve reported in the news, Kim Fox is the top of the ballot. Bob Fioretti is the bottom of the ballot. Why is that important, Steve? Why does order matter? Well, because if you're just skimming over the... Um, if you ballot, haven't done your homework... If you haven't done your homework, you're more likely to... Click on that first one, maybe even the last one. Right. 
and then um, feel like you're you're good. Yeah. So if these because you think okay, well if this candidate is at the top, it must be the best candidate. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean that's clear. Yeah. Uh, and that's all done by lottery. It is. I understand they put uh, there's a film film canisters. Their names are put in a film canister, put into a fishbowl, and the film canister is drawn out with the names. Well, that's how we pick one. our secret Santa uh, stuff that uh, we'll do later this morning. So, uh, congratulations. So the so the incumbent doesn't get to appear at the top automatically. No, no. Hmm. Quite a setup we have here. Uh, meanwhile, uh, aldermen are fighting a uh, a new law that would be passed by the city. They would state that you would have to take roll call for aldermen at uh, aldermanic meetings. I mean, that seems fair. The concern, of course, is that if you take roll call, it's going to be apparent how many meetings are missed. Didn't you assume there was some way of doing that already? I mean, I, I just assume. Listen, my fault. Why would I assume Chicago politics are clean? I uh, I just thought that, uh, you know, like any other job. And being an alderman's an important job, you would have to show up for meetings. And if you can't show up for meetings, that the public would know which meetings you missed. Is that outlandish? I don't think so. No. Number six. Former Boeing manager Ed Pearson said he warned the company about problems at the main factory in Washington State months before two of the 737 MAX airplanes crashed in separate incidents just weeks apart. Uh, 346 people were killed in those accidents. He will testify tomorrow at a House hearing on federal aviation. He appeared with Cynthia McFadden on NBC News last night with Lester Holt. I will talk to Cynthia after the show today, and we'll play that back tomorrow because the interview itself is longer than you saw on the news last night and uh, is available at NBCNews.com and digital. You know, when I hear this story, I don't know if you remember the 787 story where the Boeing guy said he would not let his family or anybody he knows. Yeah. These are scary stories. Here you have another Boeing guy talking about not, you know, having problems with these aircraft, and then they crash. Um, do we listen to the guy who was warning about the 787 and never get on one of those either? Well, that's the thing, right? And when this plane comes back, who's flying it? Are you going to be the first to get on? Yeah, I don't know if I would or not, but I don't know if I'll have a choice. Will we have a choice? That's the thing. You know, if you want to get from here to there. Now, I have a theory that when something awful happens to an airplane, the best day to fly it is the next flight that it goes in, in because every screw and nut and bolt is tightened and everything is looked over, you know, a hundred times. But for the, the millions of flights that go on, there's an amazing safety record. But all it takes is one. And if there really were meetings that went on, as this whistleblower indicated last night, where um, people were essentially told to look the other way, and people died. Uh, it could be the end of Boeing. Uh, we'll see where this goes from here. Again, he'll testify to Congress today. Uh, you know, let's end on an upbeat note, Super Joe, with a bonus item. Uh, can you give me cut one from our audio sheet? Tell me when you're ready for cut one. Um, I don't know if you know this. Uh, this is a story I've been trying to get to uh, since Sunday, and I don't have a show on Sunday. But the president, Dave, president's very busy very busy he's concerned mm-hmm. about a lot of things right i don't know if you heard this or not people are flushing toilets 10 times 15 times as opposed to once they end up using more water so epa is looking at that very strongly at my suggestion can you play that one more time joe because i'm pretty sure i heard either we're flushing 15 times people are flushing toilets 10 times 15 times is anyone on this show ever flushed a toilet 15 times? And if so, did you move from that house to another place? 
15 times. 15 times? Yeah, it does seem like a lot. Yikes. Yeah, how long would that take, by the way? Because if you figure that... Cycles? It yeah, has to rest. It has yeah. to cycle back and then yeah. fill up. and The tank has to refill. I mean, you'd be standing there for at least a half an hour, probably. Yeah, yeah. 15 minutes to a half an hour. You set a timer. Come back. I don't know what people are... Te- Here's the interesting part to me, that people are calling the White House saying, could I speak to the president? He's picking up the phone and going, I just flushed my toilet 15 times. Did he have a colonoscopy? Was he- <laughs> I did. Was he prepping for one? <laughs> I did, and I didn't have that issue. Yeah. Well? <laughs> hey, you brought it up, Steve. Oh, the king of exaggeration. <laughs> the uh, text question of the day is, if you had a pot store, what would you name it? New Illinois weed licenses are uh, going to be uh, issued. 773 says, I'd call it Kettle Pot 1. 773, weed are us. 708, pot, not pans. Well, this is good. The 224, the pot spot. (laughs) Perfect. 630, the paranoia pantry. Uh, 219, Steve, it's easy. H&R Puffin Stuff. Crocked Pot, I mentioned that. It's a good too. Take and bake. I think you went too past, uh, too fast past the uh, pots and not pans. Yeah, I like that one because so many Pot, people would pans. walk in and be like, "Where's the pans, man?" Oh yeah, especially if they're whacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Seven oh eight potlucks. Three one two pot pipes and Pringles. Eight one five the pot roast. I don't know if it's a great name, but it could be a cool logo. And uh, 312 says potluck, grass, or Acme Holdings. Because <laughs> you want something on the door that doesn't necessarily say what it is, but everybody knows what it is. Um, again, keep those coming. 312-981-7200. We want to be able to name the pot store. Dave, are we getting a pot store, you and I? Uh, I don't know. We haven't really talked about that. All right. yeah. I'm, I'm open ju- to the idea. And we invest. Pot and Pringles. Pot and Pringles. pretty good. Mm-hmm. I still, pr- pr- Pringle City. welcome to pringle city your submissions continue to come in uh we'll have paul coit on after seven o'clock paul is in charge of our british bureau he is a talented talk show host he's one of the best on the radio he really is and uh he's on something called talk sport two there where they talk a lot of football their version soccer Mm -hmm. and uh he is part of the tottenham Hotspurs organization as well. He's their on-the-pitch man, which means between halves and before and after the game, he's a guy that's out on the field with a microphone. So like their sideline guy. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But he also interviews dignitaries and, and all that. So And he's a good dude. Been a friend for, I don't know, 30 years. Uh, so Paul Coyle will be on. Here's one of the reasons I wanted Paul to be on today. Yeah, there's some news we need to go over. But uh, the producer uh, show, Vivian, has lost her mind. She believes that she is a, um, um, you know how you have lords and ladies in Britain? She believes she's a lady. And she wants the title lady not only bestowed upon her, she wants us to call her lady. Okay. What's wrong with that? she purchased the title. She purchased it from where? She had a Groupon. Yes. And I'm very proud of it, okay? Don't look at me like that. I'm not looking at you like anything. (laughs) She's all about the Royals. She's all about the UK. And uh, she loves the life, the accent, all of that. She likes rain. Mm -hmm. Um, She liked the Queen. Love the Queen. Right. Do you like bad teeth? Yeah. Did all of this happen (laughs) after you saw the movie Downton Abbey or before? Um, I've always loved the British people. Yeah. (laughs) Since I was born. So here's the thing. 
Um, you bought this t- this title because we're going to have to go over this with Paul, so I don't want to give it all up. Mm-hmm. But you bought this title on a Groupon mm-hmm. from just some dude that said he had a title of of lady he was trying to get rid of. No, it's a, it's a lordship title website. Lordshiptitles.com. Do you have to apply? I mean, well, you get uh, a voucher from Groupon, and you apply that voucher at the website that's provided there, which is lordshiptitles.com. I'm telling you, there must you are, it must have cost you a mint. Yeah, how much to become a lady? It must have cost you a mint. Well, original price one hundred twenty-four dollars on Groupon, <laughs> but I got a steal for twelve bucks. Everybody, <laughs> so you're going to become a lady for twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. Solid 12 bucks. Have you told your family? Uh, Not yet. I'm going to surprise them on Christmas. Guess what? Hey. I'm a lady. (laughs) Now, when he told our friend Paul Coit about this yesterday, when you were booking Paul for the show, Mm -hmm. he he laughed. He laughed for two minutes. I timed it. It was a two-minute laugh. All right. I'm sure he's calmed down by now. I think so. So we'll be able to ask him questions. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Will, will Lady Vivian still make Dunkin' Donuts runs? <laughs> That's a good question. No, uh, she has her, her, what are they called? The ladies' helpers? What They have a Yeah, word. I don't know. Maybe I'll Lady get... Maybe like ladies in waiting. Or yeah, the ladies in waiting. <laughs> yeah, you need some ladies in waiting. That's what you need. And Lord's um, are leaping. What's the next our policy on interns? Do they have interns? We never had interns at Tribune in the last few years. Oh, we don't know. Yeah. Do we? So your interns could be ladies in waiting. Oh, I love it. Isn't my. this great? Can't wait. You know, it's funny. Great, not, great's not the first word to jump to my mind. I, it, it, it's for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, we will uh, come back with that after the top of the hour when Paul tries to explain what a lady and a lord is, along with uh, some other things, including the queen retiring. What, what, what? What, who, what? If the queen retires, what am I going to do with this voice? Oh, no! Who said I would leave? I'm not leaving. Well, you can use it for some of the other voices you do. Yeah, because they are all the same. I didn't didn't think a queen could retire. Wait, she could abdicate the throne, right? Yeah, well, she's stepping aside. So that Chuck get Chuck, Chuck. She wants to have Chuck get the hat at some point. It's not really called a hat. (laughs) Well, I'm just kind of the chase. Show number 1499. And uh, on the uh, program uh, this morning is the live carry of the uh, Schiff-Nadler joint press conference. These are the chair people, uh, the chairmen of the uh, House Intelligence and Judiciary Committees who have been doing the impeachment inquiry um, uh, testimony uh, question and answers. They've been the leaders of this. You know, all the scandal, all the back and forth uh, and all the yelling and screaming. Uh, the deal now is that this uh, joint press conference will be at 8 o'clock this morning. Yeah, and uh, Schiff and Nadler will be joined by the chairs of the other big committees, including the uh, House Foreign Affairs Committee. So that would be Congressman uh, Engel of New York, uh, Congressman uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters from the Financial Services Committee, uh, Congresswoman uh, Carolyn Maloney, who oversees uh, oversight and reform. All four of those uh, committee chairs will be at the news conference. Uh, and, uh, you know, look, it's uh, it's the type of thing where uh, these uh, people just argue. All they do is argue. They argue constantly. Um, they just scream at each other back and forth and back and forth. Dave, I think we have a live cut from yesterday's hearings. Listen. Think that you're ready to when you're a little bit bigger, you can cook. Yes, I get that you're almost ready, but you're not ready yet. Daddy's not going to help you. 
So that tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> right there. What, was that on CNN or Fox? That was C-SPAN uh, 5. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, let's get to Kid of the Week here. And uh, let's talk to our Kid of the Week this week. And it is Grace Heary. Good morning to you, Grace. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. What crazy times we live in, Grace. You know. You're a senior at Nazareth Academy? I am. What do you plan on doing next fall? Um, so I'm not really sure where I'll end up, but I know I want to study neuroscience and psychology with the hopes of maybe becoming a concussion specialist. Wow, good for you. What drew you to that? Um, so being a soccer player, I've had my fair share of injuries. And um, after suffering from my third concussion last year, I um, grew a real interest in maybe helping athletes one day who are going through the same issues that I had gone through. Are you able to still play or you had to step aside? No, I'm, I'm back on the field now. Um, finished out my junior year fairly strong and excited for senior year. Um, is there a point where they're going to tell you you can't play soccer anymore? It's too dangerous? Um, if I suffer one more concussion. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, is there a chance you could play soccer in college? Um, it's an option, but I'm I'm not really sure how I feel about it yet. Well, it's a great uh, path that you're talking about uh, getting on, and I have no doubt you'll be successful. Here's why we, uh, you were chosen Kid of the Week. Uh, Grace organizes team activities uh, off the field. She's always including all new members of uh, programs that she's involved in. Makes everyone feel welcome. She's finding ways to give back. Coat drives. Feed My Starving Children. You're involved in Field of Dreams Uganda. What is that? Um, so this is a program that um, my fellow t- uh, captains and my coach, we talked about where we donated 50 shin guards to promote females playing soccer in Uganda. Oh, cool. It was just one of the um, activities that we came up with as a team. We also have participated in um, the PepsiCo Toy Drive which happened my sophomore year, and so I kind of spearheaded that. Um, and we just love, as a team, giving back. It, it's very rewarding because so many people um, help us during our season, with whether it be like team dinners or you know, anything like that. So we felt that it was only right to give back. Well, it's a great, great take on it, and uh, that's one of the great things about sports in school. Not only do you make friends for life and memories for life, you also have an opportunity to do these sort of team things to help the community. So I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. You have brothers and sisters? I do have a younger sister, Emma. How old's Emma? Um, she's in eighth grade. Well, is she looking forward to you going to college, or is she going to be devastated? Um, I think it's a little bit of mixed emotions. <laughs> does she get a room upgrade at the house? Uh, she does. Well, there you go. There you go. You know, when you come back the first time and your room is no longer your room, that's kind of a weird deal. It might be, but I've already talked to my parents about it. Hopefully they don't change it up too much. (laughs) Have you thought about just putting police tape on the door, do not cross, something like that? You know, I haven't, but I might consider that now. (laughs) I understand you're nuts for Dave Matthews, too. Oh, my goodness, yes. I am Dave Matthews' number one fan. So you and your dad (laughs) go to all the concerts? Yes, um, I've grown up listening to Dave Matthews for as long as I can remember, and it was kind of by chance that I went to my first concert in 2012, and every year they've they've toured since then. My dad and I have gone. What a the cool, what a cool years, tradition! We've done seven seven shows in one summer, and wow. then last summer we did five shows together. Good for you. 
Yeah. It's really cool. And I know you love your dad, but when you get off to college, you're going to be super busy. Now, here's the thing, and you may want to write this down. These traditions are so important. And just because you develop your own life doesn't mean they're not still important to you. But these are some of your dad's greatest memories. So even if you go away to college, you've got to find time to come home for Dave Matthews. Oh, I will. Don't worry. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, when you get busy... This will not, not because it changes who you are as a person anyway. It's just life happens. So just make sure you make this a priority to have that kind of time with your dad. I know it matters to you, too, but just know that it really matters to him. I, I will definitely keep that in mind. Well, listen, I'm very impressed with you, Grace Heary. Um, Thank you. And uh, do you have a like a number one and two school? Um, I'm looking at TCU in Fort Worth and then Auburn. Well, they're both the Flying horn Frogs, Dave, as you know. No, actually, TCU is. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you are going to change the world, and thank you for coming on. You're Kid of the Week. Hey, Super thank Joe you. Romano, what exactly does Grace get for being Kid of the Week outside of the great thrill of being able to tell people she's Kid of the Week? Isn't that enough, though? Nah, not really. <laughs> uh, we have a Lou Malnati's gift card and an apt gift card for Grace. Yeah, just a little something to say thank you, Grace. Thank you. All right, have a great day. Thanks. You too. What a cool thing, huh? Really is. You, you I, I think you were kind of thinking about her dad and sort of projecting yourself a little bit yeah, there. Yeah, I kind of got that what? feeling, yeah. too. I know what? it seems odd, but... Yeah. Uh, and by the way... Do you remember what it felt like when your kids went off to school? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we dropped Amy off it's at Illinois Wesleyan, and the parking lot looked like we were sending kids off to war. Yeah. There's this beautiful private school, and it was, you're going to be fine. There really needs to be signs up at all the dorms saying, you know, they will return. <laughs> they always come sure. home <laughs> in one form or another. <laughs> it's just one of those real breaks in life. It's like your kid goes off to kindergarten. You put him on a bus. You, you walk him to school. You drive him to school, whatever. It's a big deal. Life changes. They graduate from high school. They go to college. Life changes. Mm-hmm. They graduate from college. They move away. Life changes. They get married. Life changes. They're all stages and things, and they're perfectly appropriate, but they're hard. Yeah, like uh, Abigail Grace will be going off to kindergarten any day now. You wash your mouth out with soap <laughs> right now. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we'll give you some more of these. Uh, uh, this is a nice segue from Kid of the Week. We'll give you more pot store names coming up. <laughs> Uh, there are more weed licenses that are going to be handed out by Illinois. It's a lottery system. You can Google that up if you're interested. But in the meanwhile, I've asked, what are you going to name it if you get a store? And we've got some uh, terrific suggestions, including for the 219, the Hasher Dashery. That's a good one. Not bad at all, huh? The Hasher Dashery. Also after 7, Paul Coit will try to talk some sense into Lady Vivian. And uh, after 7.30 on the uh, program... The CEO of the Chris Kindle Market and our friend David Curley, aviation expert for ABC News, on what's going on at Boeing. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll carry the press conference live as two, two articles of impeachment will be revealed. And uh, Schiff and Nadler will move forward to a full House vote. Uh, Some stories are reporting next week, could be as soon as Friday. Because, you know, they want to get out of town and go on their break. Uh, then, uh, once it uh, does receive the simple majority in the House of Representatives, it goes to the Senate. Steve, I assume that Senate trial of President Trump, they've got to do a rules committee thing. they got to establish the rules. We're probably looking at after the new year, aren't we? 
You would think so because there is that break. The the House, but uh, Congress was going in recess, and you know the uh, d- leader in the Senate, McConnell, has uh, blocked out uh, all. Of, he released the schedule last week for the whole year. And January was left off of the schedule. So uh, he's thinking that perhaps January is going to be the month that they have to deal with this. Although I did see yesterday a couple of people talking about the House approving the articles of impeachment and not transmitting it to the Senate right away. So I, I don't know what that means. Well, they would. Uh, the House would vote up or down on articles of impeachment and wait to transmit it to the Senate. Um, Meaning they wouldn't turn it over for the trial? They wouldn't turn it over right away, and the the reporting I saw yesterday was that there is some idea that they might hold it for a little while and see if there was any decision on some of these court cases to get more uh, testimony from some of the witnesses that have not testified so far. Um, And then also to uh, hold this until after the Iowa caucuses and after some of those early uh, votes so that the senators, I guess there are four U.S. senators running for president, could be out on the campaign trail. <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> what the Democrats really don't need to do is make it look as political as it already is. The president clearly did something wrong here. And if both sides would stay on that and not talk about how we got to that and be worried about who's campaigning, maybe there'd be some good done for America. I don't know. You know, I'm just your talk show host. Uh, Coming up at 8, we'll have that press conference, and we will carry it live. We're efforting Paul Coit. Now, uh, uh, Super Joe, didn't we have Paul Coit locked in for today? We sure did, yeah. He was excited to come on to talk to uh, our... our Lady lady, Viv? Lady Viv, the producer. And now he's not answering? Yeah, now he's avoiding us. He, He did say something about driving yesterday, so maybe he's having trouble answering the phone while driving. Well, they drive on the wrong side of the road. Over yeah, there. see, that's where I was going. Mm-hmm. But they, they do have Bluetooth, though. That's sure. really sure. Well, that's because they don't take care of their dental uh, work. I mean, that's, that's that's where it comes from. You know, I, while you guys were doing the uh, talking about this, I just happened to Google some of these lords and lady titles. Uh-huh. I could get us all titles right now for thirty-eight bucks a piece. Thirty-eight dollars a piece, bucks. and we could all be lords yeah. and ladies. Still Lord. not a better deal than the one that I got. Twelve bucks. Yeah, so you can actually get the lady title pack. There's a pack. A lady title pack. So you can get, I guess it's multiple lady, ladyship, uh, and then there's also the lords, and then there's the couples pack as well, so you can get a lord and a lady for $49. The hey, lord- is this done by the same people that allow you to name a star? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but this is, this is the UK. It's Let's see. It's Lord Titles. Dot co dot uk if you want to go and check it out all right so we will uh, get to that in uh, just a matter of minutes here and uh, the texters continue to uh, send in names for pot store pot goes the weasel and long bong silvers are both uh, on the list <laughs> <Long bong silvers. laughs> awesome. That's good. all right let's get to paul coit here at 717 on the uh 1499th steve cochran show you know paul paul's live in london by the way 1,499 shows, Paul. Tomorrow will be 1,500. Yeah. There are people who didn't think we'd get 15 shows. We got 1,500. I know. I know. And I was one of those. And I'm really sorry. I can't believe I'm really, really pleased for you. So many, many congratulations. Yeah. Paul actually led one of those uh, Ladbrokes betting things uh, where he said 15 shows or less. So I'm sorry you lost yeah, some money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was. I originally said one. One show, one show, and uh, then, then I went with fifteen, and now look at you, look at you, look at you flying! I'm so proud of you. You know, I uh, was talking about your show earlier on Talk Sport Two, but you yeah. you joke about one show. I had a job here in Chicago. My first job in Chicago was one show. 
I came to a radio station that no longer exists called WCKG. Always their big hotshot new morning show. And uh, they changed the format of the show after I signed the contract. And I did one show and I left. So, yeah, I've done one show. Was I on that one? Did you have me on that one? Uh, no, you weren't available that day, and that was the only day. Uh, so, uh, all right. Now, there's lots of news in uh, the UK. You got your yeah. crazy Boris Johnson. You got your Brexit yeah. stuff. That's all ongoing. You got Prince Andrew being a pervert. That's all oh, ongoing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Remember, the P is for pervert and prince. Uh, and and okay. then obviously you've got the long-standing thing. When will Chuck get the hat? And uh, yes. we have rumors a queen will retire when she turns 95. Can a queen retire? She can do whatever she likes. She's the queen. Okay. But I don't know whether she will. I mean, if you were 95 and you were the queen and you were, like, so important, you, you could do whatever you wanted to do. She could make me king if she wanted to make me king. Although I think it's slightly unlikely that it is going to happen. Right. So she can make up any rules she wants. Listen, I, I want to tell you something. I, I was with... Uh, I was doing an event last week, and there was a guy that happened to work there, and he was doing the sound. Anyway, he was very proud of the fact, and this is absolutely true. One of the first things he said to me, and it's absolutely true, was, Yo, I don't know whether you know this, but I am actually royalty. And this guy was about 60, and he was very serious. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, if um, King whoever back in 1400 hadn't married whatever, if it had gone in another direction... Um, which he should have done, I would actually be the king of this country. And he was absolutely serious. So anyway, this is quite a while ago he said this, and I bumped into him uh, a little more recently. And uh, and I said, well, you know, I said, oh, here he is. I said, it's my favorite, my favorite royal. And I was sort of like, you know, Joshy with him. And he said, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm a bit <laughs> disappointed because Andrew has let us down very, very badly. And he was absolutely serious. And he thinks he still should be heir to the throne. So there are a few people that actually think that they should have it. It's funny you say that, because here on yes. the staff of the Steve Cochran Show, young producer Vivian yes. has purchased the title of lady from some fly-by-night website. What's it called? Groupon. What do you mean? No, 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 no. Oh, the, the, oh. Uh, LordshipTitles.com. Uh, LordshipTitles.com, which, of course, is where all yes. lords and ladies get their titles. Of course, <laughs> yes. Hi, Paul. How are you? Hi, Vivian, or oh, oh, Lady Vivian. I am on one knee so, as I talk to you right now because I have to treat this uh, seriously just in case it is a hoax. And it's, should it not be a hoax, then I'd feel very, very embarrassed. Yes, it's tricked me. Um, what, do you, what, what is a lord and a lady? What, what does that mean? Right, well, you can be a life peer or you can be a hereditary peer. So a peer, obviously not something that sticks out in the water that, you know, boats would come to. It's P-E-R-E-R, okay. peer. So so there's there's your old, old-style lords and ladies, like that, like Downton Abbey. Yeah, they'll be a lord. So it goes to the family, so they're somewhere related, got a royal family. So therefore, just through their family, nothing through what they know, just through who they are. They can sit in the House of Lords, which is the second part of Parliament. You've got the House of Commons and the House of Lords. Are you with me so far? So you would, you would, would you, would you have voting rights or would you be honorary? No, no, you, you would still have voting rights. So all the other is the life peer, which means that the government then can decide, oh, I know, Steve Coffin, he's reached 1500 shows. He knows quite a lot about lots of different things. Let's make him Lord. Stephen of Cochrane, um, uh, son of Issa 
tracker or whatever they would like to call you or whatever yeah, yeah, you yeah. would like to name yourself. Yeah. So, so then you would become a life peer and you could go into the House of Lords, but it would not pass down to your son, Ross. It would only stick with you. But if it's in the family, then it would just continue down the line. They would just continue to be Lord and Lady. But as Whereas, a life peer, as what Vivian, I, I, yeah, as a life As a life peer, I would get a vote in Parliament? Yeah. yeah. What would happen is that if a bill went through the House of Commons... Wow. Wow. Anything that goes to the House of Commons then has to be passed to the House of Lords and has to be signed off. Or there's a rule who would then get that vote. Would I get a powdered wig? Uh, yeah, you would. You would. <laughs> you get you get robes. You have ermine, and yeah, you wear the robes. You'd have to wear the robes to go in there because of the House of Lords. Powdered wig, and, uh, and yeah, you get the whole nine yards. All right, what about all lady? So we have to say now, because or until the EU ends, then back to nine yards. I understand. What if you want to be a lady? What does that mean? Uh, if you want to be a lady, then it's usually it works exactly the same way. But often, it's the wife of the Lord. Ah! Oh. So but you would be a life, you could still have a life peerage, or you could buy it from Groupon, of course. So what you're telling me, I could be wrong about this, but what I'm hearing, Vivian, yes. is buying a title on a website uh, doesn't make you a lady. It sure does, according to Groupon. <laughs> <laughs> Twelve dollars. Listen, if, so Vivian, oh, you can now, if you are an official, if you're a lady, you can now come over here and sit uh, in the House of Lords, and you can vote on everything that goes on in this country. I so, am ready. You must be very proud. Yes, oh, listen, wow. I'm very proud. You know, I, 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 I've not met her dad, but I feel sort of like Vivian's <laughs> other dad. And, uh, you know, we're very proud of the fact that she's now a lady. Um, so, Lady Vivian, this originally was priced at what? Uh, $124. So, 124 <laughs> bucks. You could have become a lady. Steve Grzanich looked at the wow. website. He said there's lady packs where you can buy multiple lady titles and save money. And you got it for how much? Uh, uh, Let's see. Uh, let's th- thirty-three bucks is what I saw there, and then there's the Lord and Lady pack for nor- forty-nine bucks. So you both, if you're married, a couple, you can. Both we could have it. all done this together, Lady Mary. Can't you just spend five? you just spend five hundred dollars and become queen and be done with the whole thing? <laughs> that would be cool if we could get that title. Now, uh, Lady Vivian, you spent how much on yours? I spent twelve dollars. Mm-hmm. Would she be Lady of the Sucker? What time? I mean, it's no, got to be Lady of something. Lady of England. Yes. That's the title. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know Greek. what England that is. <laughs> I, I, yes, yes. Uh, the thing is, Prince Philip, there, there, was a, there was a great thing going on there. That's right. But maybe there's something we can do. I'm really not sure. But, um, you know, I, what do you get? Do you have to get a little badge or a little you must I, get a certificate? I, I Surely certi- put on the wall. Exactly. I get a certificate that says my name and uh, lady in front of that, it. <laughs> that makes it official, then. That makes it official. If there's a certificate, then it comes- that's all we need. Do you get a wallet it's card? writing. Is that curly writing? You know what? Maybe I'll just make one myself. If you get a wallet card, you got to have something for ID so you can get into <laughs> Parliament. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to look into that. But all the perks is what I'm really interested in, to be honest. Yeah, because you saw somebody had this mm-hmm. fake lady title, and she got upgraded on British Airways? It's not fake. It's Emirates, actually. She got a uh, she got bumped up to first class because she had lady in front of her name. So, yeah. There you people go. Thought they were royal. People thought that she was royalty. Right. And, oh, and, my goodness. And the man. British are very polite. They're not going to question it at Heathrow. <laughs> no, uh, do you have anything no. that proves that you're a lady? <laughs> I can't wait to use this. Lady Vivian. Mm-hmm. I'm Sounds surprised good. how much you're mocking royalty, to be honest. Me? 
Yep. Oh, I'm not mocking royalty. I'm mocking Vivian. <laughs> oh, no, I'm mocking royalty. <laughs> And he actually lives under that rule. Well, Paul, you've been very helpful as always. Um, And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to call is this is a version of the Christmas card that I do. I don't send out cards. I don't text. I don't direct message you. I call. So allow me to say, Paul. I I appreciate that. And, And a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and all those sorts of things. And well, season's greetings. Well, happy I watched the Andy Williams Christmas special just to celebrate, <laughs> to get me in the mood. Happy Christmas to you and the entire family. We love you. Thank you very much. And to Lady Vivian, please, if there's anything you do for me in my country in the future, I would very much appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. That. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm sorry. Stand by one second. Oh, is that Paul Coit? <laughs> Paul, it's the Queen. <laughs> How dare you mock the royals? That's my job. Now, I'd like to see you at the palace at noon today. No! It's Thank in the you. afternoon over there. Thank you, Queen. Just, just it's already, yeah, it's already 1.30. Good Lord. <laughs> hey, Paul, thanks for being on. Well, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Lady Vivian. Oh, boy. Sounds good, doesn't now, it? Now, can she make the Dunkin' Donuts around? Yeah, can All you go right, to Dunkin' guys. Donuts okay, for us? Okay, I'll go now. We're bye. back in a moment on 720 WGN. Yeah, in 20 minutes, we'll have the press conference announcing the two articles of impeachment the House plans to move forward with. And we'll carry that live for you when it happens. Joining us now on the phone, Marin Beaster Preby. She is the CEO of the Chris uh, the Chris Kindle Market, an annual tradition and a difficult thing to say. Good morning, Marin. Guten Morgen. Don't you swear at me? <laughs> uh, uh, tell everybody why it's special and why so many people do it every year. I think it's just become a, a true, genuine Chicago tradition. You know, it's a family friendly event. It's free admission. Nobody has to pay to go there. And it's a great thing to do in uh, the ho- during the holidays. Yeah. Gets everybody in the spirit. And where and when? So we have three locations. Downtown Chicago on Daly Plaza at uh, Wrigleyville, um, at um, Gallagher Way with Winterland, and also in Milwaukee at Pfizer Forum in the Deer District. Now, Daly Plaza is the original, and Daly Plaza is where it's done up. Uh, to 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 the the max. Um, give people a couple of highlights. Highlights, definitely the food. Um, I think you can already smell it when you get uh, towards the market. I thought that was Dave. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. No, it's <laughs> not. Roasted nuts, hot spiced wine, cotton candy, popcorn, bratwurst, schnitzel, goulash. You name it. Uh, over seventy different menu items. Obviously, also very popular is our boot cup, which is back this year. And uh, the different stalls outside that sell um, all kinds of different holiday wares from around the world. Now, you're CEO of the Chris Kindle, uh, Chris Kindle Market. Well, what do you do the rest of the year? I mean, is there, a, <laughs> is there a Groundhog's Day market I'm not aware of? Or what happens? Oh, this is a festival you plan all year round. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> Uh, no, I know there's a ton of work that goes into it, and uh, there would have to be. Um, all right, hours and locations again. We know it's Daily Plaza. You said Wrigleyville where? Wrigley is at uh, Gallagher Way, which is right in front of uh, the uh, Wrigley Field. Okay, and uh, the third location was where? Milwaukee? Milwaukee at Pfizer Forum um, in Deer District, right in front of the arena. Everybody's welcome, and if they want information, where do they go? www.chriskindlemarket.com. Spell it, I dare you. (laughs) 
Chris Kindle Market is C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-N-D-L-M-A-R-K-E-T. Dot C-O-M. Well done by you. Well done. Uh, Marin Beaster Preby, CEO. Thank you for coming on. Yes, absolutely. And everybody come down and get into the holiday spirit. Yeah, it's a good thing. It really is. You been to the Chris? Uh, you been to that? I have. Yeah, it's yes. Chris Kindle Market. I have been there. It's great, and the I think the smells that was that was a very apt description. It's it's just uh, that kind of that's the first thing that hits you. I think the anesthesia for my procedure last week is still on my system. <laughs> it's still kicking in. Hey, man, Chris Crindy, you been in market? Is there any video, by the way, of you coming out of anesthesia? Have you been, <laughs> <laughs> have you been to the Mr. Crisco? Uh, have you been to the Crisco Drisco market? And why would you ask the CEO to spell it? I mean, I would think she she knows. I just want to see if she was paying attention. Okay. You know. uh, it is 743. We'll come back with David Curley, aviation expert at ABC News, about this whistleblower speaking out uh, about the mess at Boeing. David Curley, a uh, former uh, CBS2 anchor and longtime ABC aviation expert, along, of course, with being a great anchor as well. And a correspondent, and frankly, really the main operation there at ABC. Uh, he's the franchise. Uh, and my old golf buddy. You know, we haven't played golf in years. Are you aware of that? I, I am aware of that. And uh, actually, considering the way my game is right now, that's probably not a bad thing. That's, see, that's what guys can do. Guys can go, yeah, I know, and I'm not going to do it because I'm not ready. As a, and I don't, my feelings aren't hurt. I get that 100%. How's yours? Right now, it's not great. 30 degrees. Uh, you know, yeah. but uh, I usually get good with about two weeks to go in the season. And, uh, and then yeah. it's over. Yeah, I had they a bad, take all the flags. The snow a, comes. I had a bad tournament year, you know. Um, Sorry about that. That's probably not what people are tuning in for. All right, so listen, uh, David Curley, aviation expert at ABC News. The 737 MAX has two horrific crashes. 346 people die. It's attributed to computer software. It's going to be fixed by the end of the summer. No wait, it's going to be fixed by the end of the year. No wait, we don't know when it's going to be fixed. And now a whistleblower comes out. What do we know about this mess of Boeing? Well, there's a lot. And uh, do you have the rest of the morning to talk about all this? <laughs> well, but let's just it. break it down in a couple of ways. Right. Um, so there were actually ended up being two software issues that they ended up dealing with. The first one, which is the one that they believe contributed to both crashes, was actually fixed or the software was ready by summertime. Uh, but then some FAA pilots were in the simulator and they tried uh, five kind of strange things that you would never expect to happen but could and they found something else in the broader computer software flight computer of the 737 max and boeing decided well you know while we're at it let's just rewrite uh this to make sure that this problem that the faa uh, test pilots found and any other problem uh is resolved and that took uh longer than the engineers had told management uh but it sounds like that has been wrapped up as well uh in fact the faa asked them for some additional documentation on what they did to that flight computer so basically the software fixes are generally are at this point are done uh and now it's a matter of making sure all the documents are correct and then boeing will say okay faa let's take a test flight a certification flight uh and that gets the ball rolling and 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 boeing was still saying even by the still by the end of this year they might get recertification that doesn't mean that the jets will be back in the air for the airlines that have them that's probably going to be uh 
well, definitely sometime in January, maybe even February. The whistleblower that you're hearing about this morning is really kind of a different issue. They're going to bring it up at a congressional hearing tomorrow. And this was a guy who warned about production, about the rate uh, of how fast they were making these planes. Different than the software issue that contributed to the two crashes. But, but, you know, it's something that Congress wants to talk about. And so he'll be testifying tomorrow. What is the shape of the company? As you know, Boeing means a lot to Chicago. It, it absolutely does. And if you look at the stock, they're in great shape. I mean, I think a lot of financial folks are kind of surprised at how strong the stock has stayed throughout this. Uh, you know, it's a big company. They're way beyond just uh, the, the max. A lot of aircraft, they're having trouble with another one, the 777X, uh, heavy into uh, defense contracting or whatnot. Um, but the brand, I think, has been damaged significantly. I mean, um, you know, when, when you hear the word Boeing, if you'd, if you'd said it Two to four years ago, people would have had a certain view of of what that company means for America. And I think that brand has been damaged and they have a lot of work to do. All right. Now, we don't know what we don't know. We generally don't know what kind of airplane we're flying in. So I don't know that the public, once 737 Maxes are back in the air, are going to avoid this plane, are they? It's hard to say. I think some will, and the airlines have already said that they'll make accommodations. If somebody doesn't want to fly on a MAX, they'll try and book them on a different flight. Um, what what the airlines and what Boeing will do is um, they'll do a bunch of flights before they open it up to you and me, the general public, which they're going to put uh, employees on it. Um, they'll probably have family members going. They'll put people like me on media to take flights uh, in their effort to basically – you know, it's a PR deal to say, sure. hey, this is this is this is a safe plane. In fact, they're arguing that it will be the most scrutinized and the safest aircraft that is in the air. You know, you mentioned the computer issues because there were multiple. Uh, it goes to how airplanes are flown now. Uh, I think it's referred to by wire, right, uh, where the pilots are certainly in the cockpit, but the computer's doing an awful lot of work uh, during the flight. Because computers can be proprietary to the specific models of the plane, do we need to go over this on every single plane to make sure we've tried to figure out all the issues, or do they do that as a matter of routine? Well, it's it's interesting because the 737 is really, uh, it, it was certified back in the 60s. This is, this is an it's a brand new plane, but an old plane. Am I making yeah, sense there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it doesn't have the same kind of flight controls that, like the new 787 does. Uh, what you're talking about, a fly-by-wire is where you send a computer signal and you tell something to move. Um, and then there is the flight computer, which, uh, you know, autopilot and, and basically controls this. So you look at a 787, which is the latest technology. And yes, it is, it, it's extensive. Uh, the 737 Max doesn't quite have as an extensive, uh, computerization I- inside the cockpit, still an advanced uh, aircraft. Um, your question is, so, there is a difference between the 737 computer and the 787 computer. And, uh, yeah, I think Boeing has looked at everything uh, to make sure they can't have another. They can't have another issue like this. So um, and we haven't had issues with other aircraft. And don't forget, this was uh, for the Max. This was one piece of software they added that was supposed to make it feel the same way as the previous generation if they ever got into a stall. The problem is it could also activate the nose down, which it did in two occasions, and the pilots weren't able to recover. All right, so Boeing could be back in the air with 737s shortly. 737 MAX, there's a new one that you mentioned. I was not aware of this other problem, uh, but the company's doing fine. I, I think the last thing we need to say, though, is this. Nobody wants a plane to crash, least of all the people that build the planes. Yeah, you're right. Um, so they've got to get it right. They do have to get it right. And, um, you know, it's been interesting. Um, 
the question started early after the second accident was Boeing putting profits in front of safety. Mm-hmm. And the company has tried to go out of its way to say, you know, th- this is not our business plan. Crashing planes is not good for our business. Um, the, I think what Congress wants to know is whether there was too cozy of a relationship between the FAA and Boeing mm-hmm. and whether Boeing had too much of a say in the certification of the 737 MAX. But that certification plan was mandated by Congress Uh more than a decade or nearly a decade ago uh, in the FAA reauthorization bill. So if Congress wants to change and wants more oversight of the FAA of the way Boeing certifies planes, they're going to have to change the law. And there are members of the House on the Democratic side who say they're going to do that. And there has been a bipartisan agreement. Uh, amazing. In what? Washington. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hard to believe. Uh, I mean, both both Republicans and Democrats uh, went after uh, the CEO when he was uh, testifying here a couple of weeks ago. Um there may be some change. The question is, is it wholesale changes or just around the edges that give the FAA a little bit more say uh, and that they know more about what Boeing is doing in certifying these aircraft? David Curley, great stuff, my friend. Merry Christmas. And to you, too, sir. Let's not let 2020 go without a round of golf. No. D.C. and here, home and home. Sounds good, man. All right, thanks. Let's go live to the Capitol where an announcement getting ready to start here with uh, the leaders of the House uh, committees, including the Judiciary Committee and uh, also the uh, House Committee on Intelligence. But right now, let's listen to Nancy Pelosi, the uh, House Speaker. To take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. With great respect and gratitude uh, that I thank uh, the chairs of the committees, the six committees who have been working to help us honor our oath of office. I also want to thank the staff of those committees and the committee members uh, for all of their work over this period of time to help us protect and defend. I want to thank the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Mr. Nadler, chair of the Intelligence Committee, Mr. Schiff, uh, chair of the Ways and Means Committee, Chairman, all of these chairmen, uh, Chairman Richie Neal of Massachusetts, the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, Elliot Engel of New York, the chair of the Financial Services Committee, Maxine Waters of California, uh, the chair of the uh, Committee on Government Reform and Oversight, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney. I also want to acknowledge the important work that was done by our dear and departed May rest in peace, Elijah Cummings, as chair of the of the Oversight Committee. Now, please to yield to the distinguished chair of the Judiciary Committee, Mr. Nadler. This is Jerry Nadler from New York, again the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Over the last several months, the investigative committees of the House have been engaged in an impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump's efforts to solicit foreign interference in the 2020 elections, efforts that compromised our national security and threatened the integrity of our elections. Throughout this inquiry, he has attempted to conceal the evidence from Congress and from the American people. Our president holds the ultimate public trust. When he betrays that trust and puts himself before country, he endangers the Constitution He endangers our democracy, and he endangers our national security. The framers of the Constitution prescribed a clear remedy for presidents 
who so violate their oath of office. That is the power of impeachment. Today, in service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country, the House Committee on the Judiciary is introducing two articles of impeachment charging the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. The first article is for abuse of power. It is an impeachable offense for the President to exercise the powers of his public office to obtain an improper personal benefit while ignoring or in injuring the national interest. That is exactly what President Trump did when he solicited and pressured Ukraine to interfere in our 2020 presidential election, thus damaging our national security, undermining the integrity of the next election, and violating his oath to the American people. These actions, moreover, are consistent with President Trump's previous invitations of foreign interference in our 2016 presidential election. And when he was caught, when the House investigated and opened an impeachment inquiry, President Trump engaged in unprecedented, categorical, and indiscriminate defiance of the impeachment inquiry. This gives rise to the second article of impeachment for obstruction of Congress. Here, too, we see a familiar pattern in President Trump's misconduct. A president who declares himself above accountability, above the American people, and above Congress's power of impeachment, which is meant to protect against threats to our democratic institutions, is a president who sees himself as above the law. We must be clear, no one, not even the president, is above the law. I want to recognize the great contributions of the investigative chairs, particularly Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, Foreign Affairs Chairman Elliot Engel, Committee on Oversight and Reform's former chairman, the late Elijah Cummings, and its new chairwoman, Carolyn Maloney, Financial Services Chairwoman Maxine Waters, and Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal, who helped lay the foundation for the articles we are introducing today. I also want to thank my Judiciary C Committee colleagues who are critical in our work to hold the President accountable and in the drafting of these articles. Later this week, the Judiciary Committee will meet to consider these articles of impeachment and to make a recommendation to the full House of Representatives. We do not take this action lightly, but we have taken an oath to defend the Constitution. And unlike President Trump, we understand that our duty, first and foremost, is to protect the Constitution and to protect the interests of the American people. That is why we must take this solemn step today. Elections are the cornerstone of democracy and are foundational to the rule of law. But the integrity of our next election is at risk from a president who has already sought foreign interference in the 2016 and 2020 elections and who consistently puts himself above country. That is why we must act now. I want to turn now to Chairman Schiff, 
will explain the evidence that we're going to uh, pull out of this, uh, pull away from yeah, this. It's going to get a little deep now. Continue to monitor uh, this as they uh, again unveil uh, two articles of the impeachment against President Trump. That was Jerry Nadler, who's the House, uh, the chairman of the House Committee on the Judiciary, after the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We understand the House Speaker will take some questions later on this morning. We'll monitor that for you as well. Uh, but again, this announcement today sets up a House floor vote on these article of impeachment, possibly as early as next week. Late later this week or early next week. Uh, two articles of impeachment, one of them on abuse of power and the other obstruction of Congress against President Trump. And this has been live coverage from 720 WGN. All right, we got a couple of minutes here, Steve. So uh, you just laid out the two uh, charges, uh, and that's what they are, the charges, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. If you look backwards on this, Donald Trump is on the verge of becoming only the third American president of 45 that would ever be impeached. Uh, it's not official till the House takes a full vote. A simple majority, as you said, could be later this week, early next week. Andrew Jack uh, Johnson, who followed Abraham Lincoln, actually had 11 articles of impeachment uh, brought up against him. Two eventually went to the Senate, and he missed being thrown out of office by a single vote on both counts. Nixon, as you know, was told by Barry Goldwater and a couple other senators he'd lost the Senate. That caused him to step down within a day and a half. And Bill Clinton was charged with perjury and obstruction of justice in his articles of impeachment, but the Senate voted to acquit. That's what we know so far. Yeah, and the thing, Steve, that I hear most from people um, and their understanding of how this process works is that if the Senate doesn't go along with this, the president isn't impeached. Um, When the House votes to impeach the president, he is impeached. The Senate will vote on whether to convict him of that or remove him from office. So there will always be that asterisk next to his name after the House does its thing. It's true. It's considerably damaging, and, you know, and it, it, it does do what uh, Nadler and, uh, and Schiff, who's speaking now, are talking about. There is a congressional responsibility of oversight of the executive branch and of the president. You can disagree with how it was handled, but how it was handled is not what's the, uh, the question. The question is, what did the president do or not do? And uh, now the rest of Congress needs to move forward to this and decide. Now, here's the thing. Uh, We live in a time where I'm right and you're wrong is what everybody says. And I don't know, Steve, I don't know how the country moves forward in that way, because uh, the president of the United States has to be the president for all the United States. Um, Members who are in Congress may be Democrat or Republican, and they're more partisan or they should be more partisan in, in common sense than the president. They also represent in their own districts. Republicans and Democrats. And we have gotten so far away from that where it is singularly my party against yours. I don't know how anything gets accomplished. Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, and while all of this is going on, there there are some things that are getting accomplished. Like, for instance, the House, the Democrats in the House have passed a bunch of bills, 400 of them, sent them onto the Senate. We've been talking the last few days about NAFTA 2 being close to being done. That takes bipartisan Effort. So there are some things being done, but you're absolutely right. And I remember back to 1998, back to when President Clinton was impeached, um, there was a lot of divisiveness then that continued through the next election uh, and even beyond. And it uh, took quite a while to heal from that. So uh, I think the question is not whether we're divided or going to be more divided, but how quickly we might 
recover from it. More of the nuts and bolts of this in a moment. It's 818. We need a break here, and then we'll come back. Steve Cochran, show on 720 WGN. All right, Steve Grzanich is in the newsroom, and uh, I'm Steve Cochran. As we continue, in case you're just tuning in, let's review one more time, Steve, what happened at the top of the hour. The uh, House Democrats, uh, the investigators, including Jerry Nadler and uh, Adam Schiff, announced two articles of impeachment against President Trump, one of them for abuse of power, the other for obstruction of Congress. Uh, The uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Nadler, says that the full House will likely vote on those articles of impeachment perhaps later this week or early next week. The president's oath says that he will preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution says that Congress will oversee the executive branch. That's what this should be about, not about politics. Yes, it is politics. It is a political um, um, event an impeachment. It's not a criminal trial. However, when people say uh, it doesn't matter or this president's so successful he shouldn't be removed from office, um, you couldn't be more wrong. And the reason is because factually you have to have congressional oversight because the rest of us have lives. We're running around. We elect people in this republic to do their job to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, and that includes making sure that we have a president who follows the same laws as you and I do. And one of the biggest problems, and this goes to the obstruction of Congress part, is, Steve, if you get a subpoena, you better show up. Yeah, I think that goes for all of us. You know, if, if we're called to uh, do anything like that and we don't show up, you can bet a sheriff's deputy will be on our front door to take us in to do that or arrest us. So that's where the obstruction of Congress part comes in with the zero cooperation. And in addition to that, the notion that the president didn't have uh, appropriate representation and wasn't able to tell his side. The Democrats uh, who led these two committees invited the president to send his attorneys this week specifically, and he chose not to. It's not okay to say uh, it's a sham. It's not okay to say uh, it's a uh, witch hunt because they are uh, accusing you of something. Uh, you need to prove that uh, they're wrong. I think, uh, Steve, as the analysis goes on today about what we've just seen, uh, one of the questions will be asked, why wasn't there a bribery article of impeachment in this? And uh, the uh, analysis that I'm seeing and hearing now is perhaps the Democrats felt they didn't have enough evidence to, to put that article of impeachment first. I mean, we've heard nothing, heard so much in recent days, weeks, about bribery and extortion, quid pro quo, uh, bribery and extortion, bribery and extortion. That's kind of glaringly missing from today's articles. Of well, one of the reasons for that could be that the president has not allowed uh, several key people who were aware of the Ukraine phone call who know exactly what was said on the Ukraine phone call and were ear witnesses to it, to testify. So without their sworn testimony, it would be difficult to move forward in it. Yeah, and then the other interesting tidbit, too, is whether or not the articles of impeachment, after they're voted on by the House, we assume that they'll be approved, whether they'll be uh, immediately transmitted to the Senate. Um, There was some conversation yesterday by some uh, analysts who said that maybe the House will hold those articles of impeachment, not transmit them immediately, for a couple of reasons. One, to see if perhaps the courts grant them the ability to question more of these witnesses and maybe add to the articles of impeachment, and two, to give the senators who are running for president... Uh, the opportunity to campaign in January and February without having a Senate trial. Um, I don't think there's anything in the Constitution that says that that has to be transmitted immediately to the Senate. 
Um, but that does have to eventually be transmitted to the Senate. Yeah, and the Democrats really run the risk of appearing to be just in it for show if they go that route. And they deserve to be accused of that if they're trying to protect uh, the candidates running so they get their run in Iowa, New Hampshire, and the early states. That's not what this is about. This is about determining whether or not the president of the United States uh, was criminal in his conduct. Um, and and you don't get to wait because the political calendar isn't convenient. So if the Democrats do this, they're going to get heat, and they should. Yeah, the other part of that, though, Steve, is that there there is a, a legitimate reason to to potentially wait and see if the courts give it a couple of months to see if the courts uh, rule on some of those subpoenas that are being challenged. That's legitimate. Uh, that would be a legitimate part of that, I would think. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, there's also a Merrick Gardland concern, and by that I mean... Uh, Senator McConnell, who is in charge of the Senate, uh, he gets to make the rules for the Senate trial, allegedly along with Chuck Schumer. But he has said that if Schumer and he cannot agree, he'll move forward without him. The Merrick Garland piece of this is when uh, Obama nominated Merrick Garland for the Supreme Court, uh, McConnell refused to allow any of the senators to even interview Merrick Garland, let alone take a vote on him up or down. Will Mitch McConnell not take this up? Because the Constitution is vague in a lot of ways about impeachment. And uh, there are those that would argue that he does not have to go into the Senate with this. He could let it die in the House. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think the, I think the Constitution is pretty clear that the Senate... Has to vote to to acquit, right, or convict. Um, I've heard I've heard wrote, alleged constitutional scholars argue against it. Now I agree with you; it's a ridiculous thing to think, say the Senate can just act like it didn't happen right. or claim a witch hunt. But I, you know, my point is in the world of uh, that we live in now, in the Merrick Garland move, I don't think anything's off the table. Right. The other part of the Senate thing that you have to consider is that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court will be overseeing the trial. So even and that's though, John Roberts. John Roberts. So even though McConnell could make rules, um, the Chief Justice could overrule those rules and allow testimony or disallow testimony based on what what happened at a trial. So I think that's the other uh, part of the question that's still unanswered: is what, what how the Chief Justice will uh, impact what goes forward in the Senate. It's extremely unlikely that uh, Donald Trump will be removed from office because you would need about seventeen, eighteen, nineteen—I don't know—maybe twenty senators on the Republican side to flip uh, because you need two-thirds of the Senate to uh, vote yes on those two articles of impeachment. It's never happened before where a president has been impeached and then removed from office. Uh, but again, I listen, I've long since gotten out of the uh, prediction business because I can't tell you what's up or down anymore. Um, all I know is what we know factually in the last half hour. Donald Trump becomes the third American president to be facing impeachment. Now, we're not there yet. But unless there's some sort of miraculous Hail Mary from the Trump side of this, it will go forward and there'll be a majority vote in the House. 828 will come back. Steve has all of that and other news in a couple of minutes. We will get Ed Sherman on here in a couple of minutes to talk about I can't get the title wrong in the book. It's called This is Big, not the big one. It's a big book, Dave. I got confused. Yeah, I. Uh, it's okay. This I mean, I big. knew what you meant. How the Big Ten set the standard in college sports. If you're watching on the stream... And we're hoping to be back on CLTV. We're hoping they're going to move this up an hour. But John Williams is on CLTV for the time being. We're hoping to cancel John Williams <laughs> or uh, have both hours on. So, anyway, I just held it up for you people on the stream. Uh, all morning long, people have been texting in potential names for a new pot store. Mm-hmm. Tokes and Hits. Tokes and Hits, okay. Uh, 630, this is one of the good ones. The Pothole. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Uh, weed and Feed. 
That's good. 630, I got a guy. <laughs> That's about as Chicago as it gets. 219, Willie's Leftovers. Willie's Leftovers. 847, Lollipots, Mick Potts, or Mary Jane's. Uh, this is good, too. 815, Joint Relief. That's good, except I think there is a place already called that. You're thinking of the Joint Relief Institute? <laughs> yes. The 312 is recommending that. Um, Mary Potter, pretty strong. M E R R Y. Yep, 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 yep. I, I like that. One. I've got one. What's yours? So uh, find a location that has 420 in the address. Uh huh. 420 on 420. Oh, there you go. Look what you did there. Yeah, that's kind of. I like that one. Uh, Buds, want to go in on it? I'll get back to you. Buds, Buds, Happy Days, D A Z E. Uh, 630 said Pot Bellies. Oh, wait. <laughs> 630, the land of Lincoln and weed. Got Debbie's Doobies here. Uh, 312, Nacho Weed. Um, oh, and this is good, too, from the 815, Pot Mart. That's good. Uh, from earlier on in the morning, uh, there were some some really good ones that came in, and I just want to share a few of those with you. Take and Bake, Pot Lux, the Five and Dime Bag. I like Big Blunts, Pottersville. The Crocked Pot, and then I threw in a few, too. Pringle City, uh, Just Pot, Pot Pipes and Paranoia, The Lit Loft, and Bed Bath and Buds. So there you go. (laughs) Thank you for all your submissions. Ed Sherman joins us, and uh, we love Ed. Ed wrote for the Chicago Tribune for 114 years, uh, but started at the Daily Illini. Dave, I think you know that, right? Uh, I think I do, yeah. yeah. So he has a book here. And I'm tempted just to drop this to give you the audio quality of how heavy this is. It's called This is Big. This is an amazing, beautiful, big coffee table book, the official history of America's first and best conference, the Big Ten. And uh, Ed joins us now. You know, when I saw you this summer, Ed, and you said, you know, the book was coming out, I'm picturing a book. This is war and peace, man. How long did this take to put this together? You know, I could say it. I've been kind of saying, that. when did you start this? And I think that it started about 50 years ago when I went to my first, my dad took me to my first Big Ten game right. at Northwestern. And uh, that's kind of where my Big Ten journey began. And I actually had a pretty good team. That was Mike Adamley's team uh, that uh, almost went to the Rose Bowl in 1970. And, and Mike was the uh, Mike was the great player. He was a big MVP and, and actually had I uh, sent Mike a book last week, and he gave me a call, and I told him that you began my Big Ten journey. So it, uh, it started there, and uh, but I actually started working on it. And I coached the conference about it in 2017. I said, hey, you guys got a lot of great history. You really haven't had a comprehensive history book written on the conference. And uh, Jim Delaney said, it's a good idea. Let's go ahead and do it. And wow. started working on it then. Incredible photography. And if anybody's ever tried to get rights to photo- to photos, it's never easy. So the Big Ten being behind this, I assume a lot of it came from there? Yeah, well, and that's a great, you know, you make a great point about photography. So I had asked this, you know, he asked the school to give me these pictures, and I had originally planned to do about 250 pages, and we gave these great, phenomenal pictures. And we said we got to blow out this book. I mean, we got to use these pictures, and, and and so we took it up to 352 pages, and there's over 300 photos in the book, and uh, it's stunning photography. I mean, that's great stuff. And we wanted to kind of use the photography to kind of show not only the 
athletes and coaches, but also show the Big Ten experience, what it's like to be in the Big Ten, what it's like to be a fan, what it's like to be a cheer, you know, the cheerleader. Some of the cheerleader and the mascot photos are phenomenal. The band photos are great. Um, and so there's so much pageantry and color that goes, I have a, one of the photo montages is colors of the Big Ten. We just got these great pictures of, of the card section at Illinois and, you know, and, and all these other different colors and so we just decided hey we're, let's rock and roll with this thing and uh, and make it special and kind of use the picture to over 300 but we also have 80,000 words of text in there so there's a wow. lot of reason to do some storytelling and it, it, there's a lot of history obviously it's going back to 1895 a lot of great history yeah it's it's a great book it's really cool even to just pick it up and leaf through it but i wonder if if you were governed at all by uh, equal time ordinances here. I mean, I, do you have to walk a fine line to keep it from being dominated by Ohio State, Michigan, or how do you how do you work the the newer well, members know, of the Big know, Ten? I did try to, well, I did try to get every you know try to get every Big Ten you know the original ten schools um, represented in there. You know the ones that go all the way back to the nineteen eighteen eighteen hundreds and Michigan State joined in nineteen forty eight. And I do have University of Chicago in there because they're part of the story. Namus Alonzo Stagg is one of the great coaches of all time. But I was pretty fortunate that each school had an iconic coaches and athletes. I mean I think everyone you look at Minnesota, everyone knows that Herb Brooks was the US Olympic hockey coach, the great, you know, hero of that team. But he made his legend, began his legend at Minnesota. He was a great hockey coach there. You know, Illinois, Red Grange. I mean, does it get any bigger than Red Grange right. in the Big Ten? Maybe, maybe the only other guy that's bigger is Jesse Owens, but they're probably equal. So there's a lot of great athletes and coaches. And, so, and Jesse Owens uh, featured prominently in the book as well. Yeah, and also I've got a, an essay from his daughter who lives in Chicago, Marlene Rankin. Wow. Runs his foundation, kind of what's how that how that uh, relationship with Ohio State continues. And just a quick story about Jesse Owens. I think a lot of people obviously know what he did in Berlin, but his greatest baby track feat occurred in the 1935 Big Ten Championships. He set four world records, not just in one day. He set four world records in 45 minutes. Wow. Think about that. How about that? And one of those records, and one of those records lasted 25 years. And another great little tidbit about that is Gerald Ford was in the crowd that day. Oh, no kidding. And, he writes, and, I, and, and, and in the book, in 1995, at the 100th anniversary, I got Gerald Ford to write a, a forward uh, for the special section that the Tribune did, and I reprinted that in the book. And he writes about being there on that day and how special that was. And they became friends, you know, obviously, when he became president, and they met several times because Jesse Owens was very much involved in a lot of different initiatives in the 1970s. Was that, Ed, uh, the Jesse Owens accomplishment, was that the m- most surprising thing you learned while putting this book together, or was there something else? You know, there was a lot of, you know, that obviously that was, uh, that's pretty famous. I mean, that's considered like the greatest track performance in history. Um, there were a lot of different things, uh, you know, you talk about great performances, you know, Red Grange scoring four touchdowns in 12 minutes against a Michigan team that only had allowed three touchdowns like in the previous 20 games. You know, that, that was, you know, they, that's how they kicked off Memorial Stadium. There was a lot of neat tidbits and facts that I found out. I didn't realize that, um, that every Big Ten game starts with this, a flipping of a Nile Kinnick coin. And Nile Kinnick is in the book. 
he's, that's the, he's named Kinnick Stadium's named after him. And right, he was right. a great. He was a Heisman Trophy winner in 1939, the epitome of a student athlete. He was. Uh, he seemed to be destined to go on to great things in politics and maybe even been president of the United States. And he got killed in a in a training accident in during World War II flying a plane. And it was you know it was really a case of what might have been sure. kind of this sense of loss, but he still represents this great... I didn't know they flip a coin since the early 60s that has his image on it's it. Nice that coin is in the book. Nice and trip. it's really something. You the, know, official, so, the official history of the Big Ten. This is big. How the Big Ten set the standard in college sports. It's Ed Sherman and Jim Delaney writes it forward. Great athletes, great moments, great schools, and really, I mean, incredible photography. Uh, we're getting a lot of texts. They want to know where they can buy it. Uh, you can buy it at BigTenBook.com. BigTenBook.com. I think it might be even a sale price going on right now, so I haven't checked this morning. But uh, BigTenBook.com. And, uh, yeah, I think it makes, if you got a sports fan, college football fan, that makes for a great gift. One, you're, one type of thing. you're one click away from that gift pretty easily, really quickly. I and uh, it really was a, it was a fun book. I mean, it was something where... I lived that history. Dave, you've lived that history. You know, we got Chris Collins in the book for what he did, and uh, you go and take him the team to the NCAA tournament, and Northwestern's in there with Kelly Monte Hiller, the great uh, lacrosse coach. Dude, the the coach. fact that you've got more than a paragraph on Rutgers is impressive. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Ed. Uh, we Thank love you. you and really appreciate you coming on. This is big. Get it. Big10book.com, I believe he said, right? That's what he said. All right. Now, look what we have for John Williams today. Speaking of the John Williams page, here's the John Williams. And on your show today, all you have to do is uh, find uh, stuff to talk about for the next three hours. we got that little impeachment thing going on. Yeah, we'll mention that. uh, Although, we'll start with something much sillier. You may have heard in the little promotional announcement. If you got on an airplane and the person sitting next to you had a Hail Satan t-shirt that said established in the year 666, would that make you uncomfortable? Because they made the person take the shirt off. Steve. Really? Yeah. I don't like the I don't shirt. Like I don't like the fact that they made him take it off. It's a lose-lose proposition. Yeah, I totally for agree. And I think in the Constitution, since we're talking so much about that this morning, freedom of the T-shirt, I think, is one of the Bill of Rights. I think we should impeach the T-shirt. We'll talk about that and other more important <laughs> issues after the news.